Hey friends, it's Jasmine and this is the Female Founder World Podcast. I just got back home to New York City literally today after a month traveling through Europe and the UK. The first uh, week was a holiday and then I was working remotely and my sister lives in London and she is due to have a baby like yesterday. And so I was kind of sitting around with her hoping the baby would arrive and I'd get to meet him before I had to come back to New York. But it hasn't happened, which is such a shame. But I will see them in a few weeks um, and he'll have to be born by then because I don't let you go that far over your due date. Anyway, I'm back home. It's great. And I actually have another fellow New Yorker on the show today. Her name's Olivia Landau. She's the co-founder of The Clear Cut, which is, you would know them as like, I don't know, the place to get beautiful diamond engagement rings, I think is what they'd be best known for. But they do all kinds of jewelry and it actually started as a blog. So it's a really interesting story. You're going to love it. They're doing more than a million in revenue a month. Uh, They are profitable and they raised a little bit of money in the beginning, but mostly bootstrapped. It's a really interesting story. And I was just listening back to it and checking the edits. And I am so low energy in this episode. I was not feeling very well that day. So please bear with me. Olivia like gives it her all and I am just so low energy on the audio, but whatever. This is about her story, not mine. So I hope you enjoy it regardless and forgive me for the low vibes. You are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Olivia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So some background for the clear cut for folks who don't know what you're doing. What's your elevated pitch? How do you explain to people in a few sentences what you're building? Yeah, so the ClearCut is a direct-to-consumer bespoke natural diamond engagement ring and fine jewelry company, and we're based here in New York City. Awesome. And, you know, I was doing some research online. You're fourth-generation diamond cutters and dealers on your dad's side. You study gemology, Mm -hmm. and you guys have been at this for at least four years longer Mm -hmm. if you include the blog that you had first so you are a pro when it comes to this industry (laughs) and diamonds for sure i think that's really important to mention when we talk about one of the things i want to focus on in this episode which is building trust like you're obviously an established voice and you had built that kind of background and, and reputation for yourself before you started the business so let's start in the early days when you kicked off with the blog like how did things get going even a couple years before the blog like when I graduated from college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But like you mentioned, I I grew up kind of around the industry. My parents had an antique jewelry business. My dad's side had been in the diamond business for a few generations. So I decided to go to GIA, which is the Gemological Institute of America. There's one based here in New York to become a graduate gemologist. And while I was there, I like fell in love with diamonds, gemstones. It was in my blood all along. And I also, at the same time while I was there, got to meet my now co-founder and husband, Kyle. So it was just a very good time. He comes from a very different background, but we, he was living in Africa at the time, so we were long distance. But after school, I started my career at Tiffany on the engagement floor, and that's where I really fell in love with engagement rings, bridal jewelry, diamonds specifically, and knew that's what I wanted to do, and then went into wholesale. 
And that's where Kyle returned from Africa after the Ebola epidemic and went to business school here in New York at Columbia. And a lot of his friends would approach him and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in getting engaged. I know you have a background in the business. Do you know a guy that can help get me a good deal on a ring? So since I was working in wholesale, I was the guy that he referred everyone to. And it just became this like fun thing I did on the side, educating our friends, helping them pick out their diamonds and creating custom rings. And through that, you know, I noticed the first, like most people didn't know the first thing about buying a diamond. So that's why I started the clear cut in 2016 as a blog. And it was really just, you know, to learn the basics about what to look for in a diamond, the four C's, things to read about before coming to work with me. And then I just started posting some of the designs on Instagram. And that's where more and more people start finding out about my services. So I, you know, started making rings for complete strangers on the side and it turned into this accidental business where I was like shipping and creating rings like hundreds of thousands of dollars of rings through Instagram DMs and at the same time yeah it was crazy and I was like Kyle who was graduating from business school at the time was like this is weird there must be some white space in the market that isn't being filled if people are trusting you just through Mm -hmm. a blog and an Instagram account so in 2018 is when we got into Techstars in New York, which is like the accelerator. And that's when we decided to quit our jobs and go for it full time. Hey, it's Jasmine jumping in with a very quick recommendation. You guys know that anything I recommend on the show is either something that I've used myself, that I listen to, or that I've very well vetted. And this is actually another podcast that I love. And I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I'm going to do a shout out about you guys on the show because you're awesome. It's called Girl on the Gov. And if you search Girl on the Gov, the podcast, you'll find them wherever you listen. They're an extension of a platform called Girl and the Gov. And their mission is to provide basically millennials with the information and the inspiration they need to engage with politics. It's really approachable, digestible, accessible, and I don't know. I listen to a lot of politics podcasts and sometimes they can be kind of dry. The hosts of the show, Sammy and Maddie, have great energy, great chemistry. So they make the conversations really relatable to things that are what I care about in politics and what are important in my life. And I think that if you're someone who enjoys listening to the Fiend Life Founder World podcast, you're probably clever. You're probably politically engaged. And I think you're going to love what they're doing over at Girl and the Gov. Enjoy. Any business who comes into tech or consumer with that background of building the community and the blog first, I just think Mm -hmm. that's so interesting. I see a lot of people in beauty doing this, where they're beauty bloggers or beauty editors, and then you've got such an interesting insight into the customer and you're an established kind of voice and that people trust. And trust is the piece that I wanted to focus on because selling such a high ticket item online is no joke. Like that's really difficult to do. Can you talk about how you've like intentionally curated that experience and that brand identity that makes people comfortable, you know, coming to your store and dropping thousands of dollars? Yeah. I mean, the industry historically has always been, you know, pretty opaque and intimidating. So the way that we approached it and kind of how I approached starting the blog and how I've always like educated our, you know, community through content and our customers is I, you know, 
the generation before and how like my parents used to sell and like how the industry was is totally different because the consumer is totally different. So mm. at the time that we started, I was the target consumer. So I was like, what would I want and what education would I need to feel comfortable making this purchase? So the goal has always been, you know, throw out as much educational material as possible for free, you know, build this community, have a relationship with your followers and your community so they feel empowered that when the time comes to make this big purchase, that they're in good hands and they know that if they come to you, you're going to do right by them and you'll make sure that you know, you're going to get them a diamond that you would want to wear yourself that would be a great value because they've you know, kind of learned with you, if that makes sense. And you have, I know that you have classes that you do. Talk at me through what that content experience, what that actually looks like of you building the relationship with customers in a really tactical sense. Yeah, so it's all about consistency. And, you know, it can, sometimes we're like, is there anything more we can talk about that we haven't already touched on? But it's all about consistency and like realizing that people want to get really niche and become like mini experts in what they're doing and they get really into the purchase. So giving them all the information possible and nothing is too niche. Every single week we do a clear cut classroom, which is like a deep dive into like diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, whether that be like what is the perfect ratio for your oval diamond or what are the trends that we're seeing right now or how to get your diamond to look whiter and brighter or you know how to have your ring fit perfectly. It doesn't get more niche and I think people like love that because when you're in the process of purchasing an engagement ring, like you're thinking about all of these questions. Mm -hmm. So even if we've done something similar in the past, there's always like nuances and like updates to things that we can do. So we always have a long form video and blog post that comes with that. Um, we do a weekly Q&A every single Wednesday is our Wednesday Q&A where we talk directly to our community on Instagram, ask me anything, and then we answer all day long. And that's actually a really great way to understand what are the issues people are having? Like, what should we make our classroom content about? Like, what patterns am I seeing? And also, like, what types of jewelry or styles should we be creating for our new line? So it's really like they're learning from us, but we're understanding what their needs are content-wise, but also what kind of products are they interested in by engaging with them. So those are, like, the most consistent. Um, and also a lot of user-generated content now that we have a lot of customers, like we have our clear-cut couples twice a week and that's not even enough time where we, every time someone gets engaged, they're so excited and they want to share their story. So we create like a blog post on, you know, them as a couple, their ring design process, what it was, and then we'll post it on our website and on our Instagram account. So that's like a great way to involve our customers into our community as well. Yeah. And something that I just like heard you say, let me know if I've, you know, if I'm butchering this, but you're really establishing yourself as the expert first through just putting out all of this free content and just going into overdrive with like showcasing your expertise on public channels. And then you're backing that up with social proof with customers who have had a great experience and showing other people who agree that, yeah, these are the people, this is the expert, trust them. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, with any big purchase, you know, people are going to do their research, they're going to want to know everything. And they don't, back in the day, 
you know, the industry would want to hold back information and not want the customer to know so much so they can, you know, make as much money as possible. But now the consumer is totally different. We're used to having information at our fingertips, knowing like mm -hmm. everything before we purchase even like a pair of shoes. So it has to be the same way when it comes to expensive diamonds and there are so many nuances and you have to become I always say like you become like this mini expert in this one particular moment in your life and then you kind of forget all the information after it's really interesting to look at this as the evolution of online shopping like you know in the early days people couldn't imagine that people would buy shoes online or beauty products mm -hmm. online like that just seemed crazy and now I think my husband bought my engagement ring online I think this was oh god 2016 he can he can wow really? whatever it was 2017 <laughs> and i remember telling people that they bought it online and that he bought it online and people were a bit like oh <laughs> oh and they, he just had it shipped to him by a dhl like do you really trust that you know and he was very practical about the whole thing like you know this is the shipping is insured and we've mm -hmm. they've got a guarantee and all of that so mm -hmm. that made him feel really comfortable doing it and so i think now we're in this stage of online shopping where people are buying cars online they're, they're making the biggest purchases sight unseen through the internet and it's no different the approach now through these big ticket items as what people trying to sell shoes were doing 10 years ago online and what people trying to sell designer clothes were doing five years online with really showcasing through content and establishing themselves with trust so i think that we've just moved the bar on what people are buying and what people are happy to buy and I think people, you know, just want more out of what, if they're going to spend this amount of money, they want to have picked their exact perfect diamond. They don't want to have something just in a showcase yeah. like you can pick out of these five. Like they want, we work with our clients to find the exact diamond for what they're looking for, which can get very specific, something totally. that's in their budget and they want it to be customized for them. They don't want something that's like cookie cutter out of a box that they're going to pay a premium for. 100%. If people are customizing their like hair care routine, you can bet yeah. they want to customize their engagement ring purchase. Definitely. <laughs> For sure. So let's talk about Techstars because I think that folks looking at what you're doing and certainly when I first looked at what you're doing, I didn't in initially think tech company. I thought consumer brand, e-commerce, content, lifestyle. I didn't necessarily think tech. Why am I wrong? You might not be wrong. So when we applied, I really never thought we would get in because we were definitely not a tech company at that time. We were an Instagram account, a blog, and you know, a jeweler, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think they had a lot of foresight into what our future plans were to be. Like now we definitely are a tech-enabled company. We built a proprietary software called Gem where all of our clients have their unique portals. They work directly with their gemologists in there, whereas before we were just emailing or DMing them back and forth. We have like a whole inventory manager, like vendor, um, production manager in there. and. Our goal is to have like be this generation's jeweler for life and have everything in like your digital jewelry box, basically, so we can make recommendations on your wedding bands based on the, your engagement rings and have all of that information at your fingertips and be there for like all your follow on purchases. But yes, at the time, we were definitely the only consumer company in our class, and we were the only one that wasn't a tech company. So it was a very interesting experience when we were in Techstars, but we always had the vision to build the technology. But we were like, we want to learn what are the customer's needs? How can we really improve the process? Not just making assumptions, but by doing it, the really unscalable, like hands-on way to know what we need to build. 
Yeah, something that you just said there really made me think you're spending so much money on acquiring the customer or not not so much money, but you're putting so much effort into this content and community building. But then when you just mentioned how you've retained that customer through all of their jewelry purchases in life, I can just imagine what the lifetime value would be once you once you brought someone into your community it must be amazing. And I read that last year you guys were doing around a million in revenue a month. This year it's more. When you first applied to Techstars, like what were you still doing the odd like jewelry order through DM? Like where were you when you made that application? Yeah, so it was um, interesting. We were the only tech co- company that wasn't a tech company, but yeah. we had a, a lot of revenue. So it was like it, no, no one else had any revenue, but they had like tech, but we were the opposite. So I think when <laughs> we had gotten into Techstars, which was 2018, I was still, you know, working full time and it was a side hustle, but we had, you know, just under a million dollars in revenue at the time. Okay. I also just like, that makes me laugh. I just feel like that says everything right there. It's like, (laughs) we were the only one coming in with any revenue and any community or anything like really meaningful behind, except for the tech and everyone comes from it the other way. Whereas I think if you're able to like make, make the customer connection and make some sales and then just make it through tech and scale it through tech, that seems like a way better way to build a business. (laughs) You would think. But yeah, we were we were the anomaly for sure. So it's you and your partner who are the co-founders. Do you have a technical co-founder on the team? Did you hire from that for that early on? We do not and still do not have a technical founder. We have a mm-hmm. tech team that works on our build and we have like a product manager, but it was something that we always considered, but it didn't seem like a hundred percent necessary. And we've always been toying with the ideas, but it's been working out pretty well with just the two of us for now. And how have you, cause you're coming to it from the, obviously you've got the expertise in the diamond industry. Your partner has a lot of business experience as well. How did you guys like plug the gaps in that knowledge that you knew even who to hire or what kind of tech team, like what skills you needed to bring on? We really relied on a lot of our network. I would say like, yes, I have like the product, the content side, and he really handles like the finance and operations. But in terms of the tech, like I think we both really knew like what the needs of what we wanted to build were. And we had this vision for a while of what we wanted to be. It was just finding the right partners to build it for us Mm -hmm. and with us. So, you know, one great thing about Techstars and going through that whole program was the network that you get and the community and resources that you get from that. Our MD at the time is still, you know, one of our biggest mentors. He's a technical guy and a lot of our other founders from the cohort, we leaned on them for advice, introductions, and that's ultimately like how we found the team that we're working with now. Okay, cool. And what what's your funding story been? Unlike a lot of businesses, especially ones that went through our program, we raised a really small round from angel investors right out of Techstars. We raised about under a million, like 750K out of Techstars. And ever since then, we've never raised again. We've just been profitable. Awesome. Good for you. Again, you never hear stories like that. I mean, I feel like we do on the podcast because I just think that women building consumer businesses tend to be building profitable businesses from the beginning. It just seems like such an interesting like mindset shift. And I thought like it was very weird. Like it was my first introduction to like the venture capital world when we were in Techstars and seeing like how, you know, early stage companies were raising without like plans for 
profitability and I was like well mm. what's the goal when does it end like common sense you know says that you need to sell yeah. something and make money right yeah and like seeing how a lot of like the D2C companies that were growing really fast before are like kind of changing their tune a bit now yes totally and I think it was, was it YC or I don't know one of one of the those big institutions were basically telling all of their their cohort and their founders that they needed to find a path to profitability and not rely on fundraising at the moment which I thought was a very interesting shift and I think that so many of the brands who are in our community like the women building consumer brands are going to be in like a really good position based on how financially conservative they've been as they've been scaling their businesses yeah um we've always had you know the slow and steady you know model of growing and that so far has served us really well Awesome. And Olivia, the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. And that could be like a book, a podcast, something that's been helping you as you've been building the business. And I'm looking at your face and you're like, oh shit, I can't think of one. <laughs> a resource that has helped me. Um, is it, I, I mean, is are people okay to say? like People are okay. Have... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think my biggest resource are like my network and the people that have been helping us throughout the journey, mm-hmm. whether that is our, some of our angel investors or our mentors from the program, or you know even people in the industry that have been mentoring me throughout the process. I think really relying on those people that you trust in your network to give you advice and that you can go to when you don't know who to hire for a tech team or mm-hmm. you, encounter an issue with like your supply or something like that i think you know not no not acting like you know everything all the time and really like having those people that you trust for advice and also taking advice with a grain of salt because everyone has you know their own opinions but um building that network of the those real supporters of you that people are my main resource and also our team our clear-cut team is like I always go on to them too and ask their opinions and they're a huge resource. So I don't think it's like a specific book or a specific podcast that I listen to. Obviously those are great, but I think like the, my biggest resources are my people. Like just for folks who are kind of, maybe they don't live in New York, maybe they don't live in like a startup hub and they're thinking, okay, but how do, how do I find those people? What advice do you have for them? I think for us, like it was really great especially because we came in so green with no like Mm. VC connections like no startup experience and it was just it's really unique to be around other founders or other like people that were founders in the past because you have unique experiences that you can't really relate to with other people necessarily so that was a great way to build our network but if you don't have that I think like attending as many and I, I know it feels awkward like going to like d2c like networking events or yeah. things like that i have met incredible women doing like amazing things and people that i've stayed in touch with like through social media but putting yourself out there even if you like see a founder that you want to connect with and like you just dm them that you want to chat or you know if you're in the area grab a coffee i feel like those are like really great ways to build connections. And I feel like people are pretty open to building connections. You know, everyone's yeah. busy, but if you're in a similar position, like I always want to, if, if an aspiring female founder reaches out, I'm always like willing to give time to like chit chat, you know? 
Totally, same. I'm, I'm in the same boat. And just another tip for people who are listening, we at Female Founder World have a bunch of online networking events, workshops. People are always in the Zoom chat when we're hosting these workshops and like finding their people, then they're connecting offline. And if you don't have your people, just join one. You'll find like you'll find them for sure. And I think since COVID, it's been a lot easier to build and yes. meet people online. Like it's less totally. weird, you know, I've met so many amazing women just like on social media. <laughs> yeah, I was almost like I was saying to my husband a little while ago, one of the big things about living in New York that I really loved through, you know, we moved in 2014 and, and through those first kind of like six years was really networking events, meeting people. It was awesome. And I just kind of felt like post pandemic, actually like people are connecting online and maybe it's not as valuable to be in a city like that as it once was. Oh. I still think in-person connection is really powerful, but the, I don't know, the the like the waiting on a, on a digital relationship is just like a lot more than it used to be, I think. Like it's much more like considered like, oh yeah, no, we know each other, we're connected rather than you needed to meet someone in person for it to be established like that. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing everything you're doing at The Clear Cut. Congrats on what you guys have built. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome.